Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. I'm your host, Chris Cypher73 Cabrera, and I have an awesome guest on today. Uh, she's a journalist, activist, filmmaker, entrepreneur, what I call a conspiracy realist. Um, in 2009, she dropped a documentary called Vanishing of the Bees. And last year, she dropped another documentary called The Real Timeline. It's a very impactful and important documentary. And it's something that I want to talk to her about today, among amongst other things. Um, please welcome me in introducing the lovely Mariam Henning. How you doing? Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, I told you before we started recording that I've been following you for about a year and a half. You've been on a lot of my favorite podcasts. And uh, a lot of the information you bring uh, is extremely important. And it's also concerning because nobody is picking up on it. And I don't understand why. I can that, tell. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're here for, to tell us why you, amongst other people that are doing extensive research into what's going on in the world today, why your information is getting sidelined when you have the mainstream media just pushing pushing agendas all over the place. Um, but let's start with your the origin story of Marion, please. Just <laughs> yeah. I know that you have a lot and it's fine. Just, you know, tell us whatever you can tell us. Please. All right. Well, I hail from Montreal, Canada, and uh, I left Canada, I think, when I graduated journalism school, came to Los Angeles, lived in Los Angeles for 23 years. I started my career at MSNBC, and I was producing the news at a time when people or the the newsroom was afraid that if you if you tuned in if you logged on then you wouldn't tune in so I've been part of the internet and and uh then after seeing how they cover the news in Los Angeles and I I quit I became a freelancer I wrote for all the top magazines and then I had a near-death experience. I was hit by an SUV and dragged 50 feet. And that was really like an initiation into learning about health and wellness, learning how to walk again. I broke several bones. I had a metal rod put in my leg and it was a rude awakening to Western medicine. And uh, then started my studies uh, unofficially into nutrition. And then eventually after making Vanishing of the Bees, I um, launched honeycolony.com. Honey Colony is a magazine and marketplace that aims to empower you to be your own best health advocate. And uh, then I studied functional medicine and got my accreditation as a consultant and a, and a coach. And then the Rona hit um, around that time. So I was covering vaccine safety since 2012. So I, I knew that something was coming. And uh, during that time, I also met Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower. I was covering what I dubbed techno-fascism as early as, as 2018, because in the online health space, I was witnessing things going on with Google. And then when I took a deep dive and I, I realized basically Google's a, a drug company. And then I looked further and, and I met Zach on uh, Twitter and I did an interview with him. And then basically when the Rona hit, I uh, took him to the jungle, took him to Costa Rica, covered the Rona nonstop there and, and really started getting censored um, 
and you know, today I'm banned on Venmo, Vimeo, PayPal, GoFundMe, Instacart, Airbnb, Amazon, Smashwords, been debanked, and uh, also had a, a six-part series. I was in the six-part series called Shadowland, which was supposed to be covering people who believe in a shadow government, but it was really a smear campaign that was made with The Atlantic, which is um, Tavistock. So, you know, to respond to your question as to why there's something, you know, I, I would encourage people to, to read about Tavistock and to understand the Intel script writers and having also come from the left, sort of speak, or think that I was a, a Democrat or a liberal or in the arts and then see this woke mentality and then kind of be a little bee on the wall in the conservative arena as well. But then ultimately because my truth does not fit within the left-right paradigm, which is two sides of the same coin, that I'm kind of ousted. So we see people today that are representing alternative, whether it's a Joe Rogan or uh, Russell Brand, but in reality, these people are part of what Dr. Shiva calls the not-so-obvious establishment. Um, amazing Polly calls calls uh, the great, the new narrative gatekeepers and they cross pollinate between themselves but they're still playing you know they're still it's still safe it's not giving you a hundred percent truth it gives you 80 percent truth so they say a lot of good things and these are personable characters that's the whole point but they're still in a way gatekeeping or they're definitely not doing the deep dives and the actual work so Okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I don't really have much to come back with because, to be honest with you, I don't have the information that individuals like yourself have. I learn a lot from from individuals like yourself. You, you, you guys, uh, when you come out with information, you force me to have to go and do this research to find out the truth. Whereas, if I'm, if it's me, like ten years ago, I'm watching the news and I'm believing everything that they tell me. Um, I'm still believing that when there's wars, there's always one side funding. Let's say our side and another funding the other, not realizing that they're funding both sides, you know, um, and things along those natures. When I was going through the, the, the Rona situation, just like everybody else was, I knew something was up. I mean, it's obvious that something was up, like how all of a sudden this thing comes up out of nowhere. Then you have all these other things that are happening, which we're going to talk about, you know, the George Floyd incident. I mean, this happened, you know, before COVID even hit, you had the Kobe Bryant's death which might factor into that as well. I don't even want to like delve right now into it, but like you said, you work for MSNBC. Were you already seeing things behind the scenes that were kind of getting your attention and you were like, wow, man, the way that these people are operating, you know? You know, this, this uh, notion, it's an awakening, right? So it's a, it's an onion. And I saw other things when I was at, in the newsroom, but I didn't, I think we reached new heights under the Rona of uh media prostitutes and and parrots like i'll give an example there was a, a guy it was during the sweeps so sweeps is when basically all the networks are competing for ratings and in los angeles they have like a million dollar just chopper budget and there was a guy on a on a freeway and he had a gripe with the with the hmo and so basically he unfurled the a banner. He tried to 
light a Molotov cocktail. He had a dog and a cat. That didn't work. Then he went over the edge and he threw a backpack and he tried to jump over the edge, but he didn't have the balls to do that. But he did have the balls to take a rifle and blow his head off on camera. Well, he didn't know he was on camera, but the so I was seeing the vantage point from directly the chopper, not necessarily what the people were seeing, although I think they were live at that moment. And then after the fact, they had to put up a alert, you know, if anyone had psychological damage to call and they never really covered the story. They never covered why this guy blew his brains on national television on television. Um, I saw, I saw that. And, you know, that's why I ultimately quit. I, I remember, well, I, I left that day and I went on Tom Lycos AM radio and uh, explained that in, in during that time when I was working there, it was actually the advertising department that was in charge of the internet producers. It wasn't even the newsroom. So I went and I, I shared my story, how they put up an alert. They didn't really care. They just got the ratings. That's all they gave a shit about. So the next day I was taken, someone said, were you on the radio? Can I speak to you? And they were, were you on the radio yesterday? And I said, yes. And they said, you know, you could lose your job. And I, you know, I was very, I was naive. I was in my twenties, my late twenties and I'm trying to think of other instances. You know, I had once, once I pitched a story to Rolling Stone and I accidentally found out that they had stolen the story. It was on David Lynch. I interviewed David Lynch and I wanted to do a story, an investigative story on a murder that occurred at uh, this school that he's associated with. And I, I reached out to the PR person for David Lynch and then told me, oh, thanks for sending, thanks for getting the Rolling Stones to come to the un university. And I was like, what? So, you know, that's more like that's now you see that all the time where you see these people co-opting information. I, I have a handful of real journalist friends and they they take uh they they keep tabs on us and and the perfect example is what happened with you know after my film came out the real timeline in response to they released you know i think in part they released the fall of minneapolis which has been seen by millions of people but who is it that bought the footage originally is it the journalist that's married to the, the the lieutenant that has access is an Emmy award winning, um, but it's not like I'm some chick off the street. I directed an award winning film that was number one in this country. So, you know, to your to answer your question, it, it has been. You know, they say uh, fake news is old news, and yellow journalism. You you learn about yellow journalism, but with the advent of the internet, it's like even let's say putting, when you put out a story back in the day, if you had uh, an update, you would put the update or the correction on top. There would be a distinction between the update and the actual story. But because of the internet, now the ministry of truth can just rewrite a story and it'll just say updated, but you don't know what the original was. So you can't keep track of all the omissions and updates um, unless, you know, you are keeping track from the get-go. And so you have to know, oh, okay, I can trust this voice. I'm going to see what she's covering. Or 
ask what, you know, what's your thoughts on that? So we see that with the Rona, let's say I give an example. And again, these people do good work. It's not about um, shitting on, on them. It's just understanding how do they continue? Uh, let's say John Campbell. All right. So people, I was, I still watch John Campbell. First of all, he's not a doctor. He's remained on YouTube. He was for a really long time um, going over the data. I said, oh, these excess deaths. I wonder what it is. Like, really, buddy? Um, and then finally coming out, and it's what Sam Tripoli calls, you know, safe, safe, dangerous. Yeah. After the after the fact, then information comes out. You could see the same thing with the origin story for those of us from the get-go that said this. I mean, this wet market story is like it's it's co-opted from the film contagion, the the um the script. So we were censored and then slowly the Overton window moves. So it's like, oh, it's not a wet market anymore. Now it's an accidental lab leak instead of, no, this is an intentional web uh, bioweapon that was created. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's very challenging to be a journalist and to really love. I love being a journalist, but, you know, get used to get paid $2 a word for an article and now basically have to just pretty much give my shit for free, which is why luckily there's Substack. And right. I invite people to go to Substack, which is the only place I can express my, because I am a writer and express myself. And even Substack, I looked into, well, who owns Substack? It's out of San Francisco. I think the guy's name is Chris Best. Why is it that uh, Substack can continue in, in the midst of this uh, techno-fascist censorship that we're that we're witnessing. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's get into the George Floyd. But before we get into the documentary, um, I wanted to make like a quick statement and tell me if I'm off or if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, I wrote, we're literally living in a different timeline today. Crazy, extremely unpredictable times where we're dealing with disinformation misinformation and misinterpretation of information and this documentary highlights those three points perfectly that's very well said chris thank you uh, yes yeah, i echo i echo that that sentiment um you know i i think i never planned to spend four years of my life investigating this psyop and also actively actively investigating while I was writing a book. So the movie really is an extension of the book. And I wanted to see what happened from 7.30 to 9.30. Look at all these body-worn camera. Let me get the footage, which I purchased from the government. And I was then able to use the footage to inform my writing. The book is a lot macro and looking at all the characters and how they connect and it has a lot of FOIA information it's full of photos it's it's a 600 page book you and know <laughs> it's funny that you say characters because on my notes I wrote that like a movie uh, or a book or a tv show uh you have your plot you have your cast of characters you have the message that's being conveyed and I wanted to talk to you about that so can we go to how you got into this in the first place? Because yeah. I imagine you were, you did the vanishing of the bees. 
how do you go from that to now delving into this George Floyd uh, coronavirus thing? Yeah, well, the coronavirus, I mean, I was covering vaccine safety. I was writing for Dr. Tenpenny. And for those of us, like I had a Facebook group that I created, I think as early as 2018 with, you know, quote unquote, anti-vaxxers. And so we were very active in what was happening. And uh, in October of 2019, they mass vaccinated 200,000 people in 30 days based on seven cases of non-deadly measles in Samoa. And they literally went door to door. And so for those of us who are covering the jab, knowing or vaccines, knowing, you know, what is the ultimate plan? Uh, I, I was scared. I, I mean, I was scared. I, I admit it. I wasn't scared ever, ever. It was an ever a question of I'm scared of this virus. I'm scared of the of the encroachment of our civil liberties and our our freedoms. And like I said, I went to to the jungle, and I was in the jungle. Uh, with Zach, for he's the Google whistleblower, and we were covering the Rona <clears throat> all day, every day. Um, he stayed four months. And so when this incident happened, I wasn't covering it. I wasn't living as much as Zach on Twitter. And uh, he he called out to me and he said, Mimi, which is my nickname, Mimi, can you come and choke me? <laughs> what? <laughs> he's I'm doing the George Floyd challenge. And so I hesitantly stepped on his neck and he saw that he could speak and he could breathe and he could, he could speak. So I told him, if you really want to know how George Floyd died, you should call them the medical examiner. I had no idea this was going to be as huge as it was. I, I was just, I called the next day and from the jungle. And then it, the day after that, I interviewed Giovanni Thunstrom, which was the employer. And I noticed one, the medical examiner said the report is going to take weeks and weeks and weeks. And then literally the day after, they dropped these preliminary <clears throat> findings on CNN. <clears throat> and looking back, that was purposely dropped in order to start sowing discord. And uh, I was like, well, how did the F did they CNN get these preliminary reports of course, now it's more obvious to all of us um, because we don't trust CNN. So then I interviewed Giovanni Thunstrom and I noticed, I watch, I look for patterns and I, I noticed these like broad talking points, like, you know, black, white, um, saying for sure he got strangled. There was liquid. It was meant, it was led to believe that it was urine and the guy was dying. And then I also caught Bridget which was this is the supposed sister Bridget Floyd. And she was doing, I think it's TMZ. And I noticed that her t-shirt said, I can't breathe. And I'm like, ah, where'd you get that t-shirt, honey? Where'd you get it? Print, so quickly. Print, shops. print <laughs> shops are essential. Where Who like FedExed you the t-shirt overnight? So those are the types of things that I, I noticed. And it just was one thing after the other. I didn't tap out. I covered the, Derek Chauvin trial. I mean, I wrote dozens of articles every single day of the trial. I, I dropped an article on Activist Post. And uh, then eventually was like, well, I have all this information. Why don't I write a book? And then that I, I bought the footage. Again, I didn't anticipate that, you know, Liz Collin would 
um, you know, when you watch the first 10 minutes of, of that film, it's like watching my movie, except my movie came out a year before. And uh, they take some of the footage. I mean, it's body-worn footage. What are you going to say? It's, it's, it's anyone can use it. Right. They use some of the segments, some, some shots out of order, like the shot of Tutau, where he signals to the bystanders and it looks like they're on a set. Um, and that's like a smoking gun. It's, it's, but I put it there to basically, the whole point was to have a deeper conversation. However, my truth of this was all an operation and it's really about a money laundering drug cartel operation with the complicity of the government ain't popular, right? So they, they're not going to go to those lengths to say truth. And because they're using the George Floyd event continuously, um, the whole point now is in this election year to use their truth of this was not a fair trial and to stir sympathy for Derek. And I believe eventually either have a, a petition, a habeas corpus petition, which is what Derek's lawyer told me because of the latest chapter in this Derek Chauvin, George Floyd, which includes the shanking of Derek from a FBI informant who has pled not guilty in succession of, oh, you have the Supreme Court and deny the case. Then on the heels of that, within two weeks, you conveniently have this movie drop and then you have this shanking. And in light of this shanking and the things that I've discovered that I'm, I now you know, would say that it's all an operation. Up until then, you know, in the book, it's only toward the end that I, I allow my, my personal views. It's all like receipts, 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 facts. And uh, it reads like a whodunit tale. And only in the end do I give you what I believe all of these findings amounts to. Right. So not, not to give too much away because I really want when I put the link up, I want people to go and, and watch this and just make their own decision. I'm not trying to push anybody to any sort of decision, but um, what I didn't know is who George Floyd was. I knew what the media told me who he was, but I really didn't know who George Floyd was until I saw this documentary. Can you go into a little description of who George Floyd really sure. was, background? Sure. I would say the movie, um, you know, there's a whole chapter, big chapter called George Perry Floyd and in the book. So the film is more just centered on the events, the chain of events that occurred so that people, exactly like you said, can make their own decision as to what happened. So, you know, my findings are that they created a composite of who George is, that they cleaned up his, they, they wanted to take away from his drug career, career criminal existence and um, basically wipe that away by, by focusing on the sports and focusing on the hip hop and focusing on the supposed Christianity and that he was um, read the Bible. <laughs> I, there's no, I don't see any proof of, of, of that. Um, and, you know, in the book, I, establish an argument that George was an FBI informant. And so he he's he's the hero, according to, to most people, he's the hero. And then Derek Chauvin's the villain. Yeah. But 
most people don't know that they have a connection to one another. So can you seal that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Derek, Derek is a sacrificial lamb and the villain. Mm, I can go into him being a sacrificial lamb later. And then George is, is the modern Messiah, new Jesus, uh, which is really in the, in the spirit of glorifying criminals and, uh, imprisoning god-loving people i'm not saying derek is a god-loving person but he definitely didn't get a fair trial so even if things are not real a hundred percent and what you know what is real um we all have our constitutional rights and this wasn't a fair trial whether it's fake or not so as far as them knowing each other there's in these psychological operations i outline also how i believe that they weave in red herrings and ultimately the derek chauvin george floyd connection involving el nuevo um, could be a red herring because in truth the government is the the mpd had cameras in el nuevo drugs running there in reality the government uses these drug um these kingpins as part of their folklore when in reality they're all working together and maybe certain people don't know who's working for who and they also compartmentalize um, the characters in the psyop it's like on a need to know basis so they supposedly both worked at el nuevo and that fact because it is on george floyd's death certificate el nuevo which is no i'm saying fact okay i'll take that back do do we know 150 percent that he worked at el nuevo well that's what the story goes that they both work there i mean that's supposed fact that they're both but they didn't know each other so if if um derek is the head security off-duty cop and, and George is the head bouncer, he's 6'6", six, six. Uh, and Derek worked there for a long time. And there is also evidence that I, I outline in the book that they would need to communicate if something happens with communication between the head bouncer and the head uh, off-duty officer. So early on, um, David Pinney, a black man, came out and did a exclusive with CBS. And then 24 hours later or so, they recanted that video. I tried to get the full interview, but because it wasn't released publicly, I couldn't get it. So in my, the way I work as a as an investigator is I inhale as much information. So I would read every story under the sun and what i'm looking for is a little detail oh they didn't tell me that this paper says this and then we've something figure out what what what's really going on so he said david when he recanted his information that he's really bad what did he say i'm really bad with faces uh i'm really bad with, with faces or so what are you saying? All black people look the same. You can't identify your boss. George was your boss. You were friends. Like um, you made, he said he made a mistake and 
it wasn't, they didn't know each other, that they didn't butt heads as originally said. So what's really going on there? Is it a point in the plot to get the the conspiracy theorists going down that rabbit hole? Who embraced all of this conspiratorial? It was the right. For instance, the right will tell you that George Floyd held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach. Well, I've read the actual court documents. There says there's nowhere that says that she was pregnant. It, she, he held it by her like flank, on, so it could have been seemed like she was pregnant. But the point is, well, where did they get that? Where did they get that? And then everyone repeats it. I want to go to the source and try to find out. I mean, I, I tried to track down David Pinney. I I couldn't. Um, I, I couldn't track him down. I mean, in, in reality, also an investigation does take real time and, and four years is a, is a long time to devote to this psyop. Yeah, and it's not enough time. I mean, even four years is not enough because you have so many moving pieces and you know people are obf- obfuscating information. Totally. And you're totally. constantly jumping through hoops. Um, another character that factors in, I think he's the, essentially the one that really people need to talk about and he's the one that kind of started it was Maurice. Wasn't he the one that's that spent the counterfeit money that got cup foods to make the call? Like, uh, how does he factor into all of this? The Universal Dialect Show will return. But first, a word from our sponsor. In a world where style knows no boundaries, where self-expression reigns supreme, there is Arise Creations. Introducing Arise Creations, the ultimate destination for fashion-forward individuals seeking affordable, unisex apparel that caters to every unique style. Arise Creations brings you an exceptional collection of unisex fashion essentials. From trendy tops that blend style and comfort to versatile bottoms and footwear that add an extra layer of sophistication. We've got you covered from head to toe. Arise Creations is more than just a clothing line. We strive to create an inclusive space where everyone can find fashionable and affordable pieces that reflect their unique personality. With indelible designs, we ensure that anyone can confidently wear our products, breaking down barriers while embracing individuality. But that's not all. Arise Creations is proud to be affiliated with the Universal Dialect Show, a groundbreaking podcast that explores the worlds of music, paranormal, art, fashion, and beyond. Join the conversation on YouTube, BitChute, Spotify, App Podcast, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Arise Creations is committed to making fashion accessible to all. We believe that style should know no bounds and everyone deserves to feel confident and empowered in what they wear. With our affordable prices and diverse product range, we're here to help you unleash your true self. Come and unleash your style and embrace your individuality. Arise Creations, where fashion meets affordability and self-expression. Please visit our website today to explore our collection and be a part of the fashion revolution. 
Arise Creations, and the Universal Dialect Show, empowering you to create your own destiny. Head to www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Arise Creations. 73. Again, that's www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Arise Creations. So that's A-R-I-S-E-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S, the number seven and the number three, and bring your look to new heights. Well, I don't know that he made um, them call cup foods because if it's an operation and no one on this planet other than me has talked about the cover up at cup and who Mr. Adam is, um, it's it's nebulous. And Maurice is not going to tell the truth, whether he was, I believe, was left out in the cold. So just to share, Maurice was the man that spent he was in the car. He spent his day with George. Um, the story goes that they were friends. And during this operation, during this event, um, Shawanda, Renee Hill, and Maurice Lester Hall are across the street. So when I got the footage, I want to see what I'm saying. What I'm saying. I want to watch it a hundred times. Initially, the Peter Chang, which is the office, office um, police officer, it's from his camera. Initially, they were all um, blacked out. <laughs> Why? And Certain parts are still cut out. But what I caught was Maurice saying, Mr. Adam knows me. Ask Mr. Adam. Mr. Adam knows me. I'm like, who's Mr. Adam? Who's Mr. Adam's going to get you out of trouble? Like, what's going on? You know, and then going down that rabbit hole. But initially, the way it looked, okay, so Maurice, they take his ID. It's a fake ID. Thomas Lane conveniently leaves it in the notebook. You know, these are like little details. It, they make a difference. So then they let him, they let him go. He, he walks, he leaves, right? You see him walking into the sunset in my film. And a couple days later, they catch him and he had left for Texas. He's from Texas too. And they surround him. They don't ask him anything about his record. So, in, from his perspective, he thinks that this is going to give him a new lease on life. From my outside of reading the docket and seeing, okay, this guy escaped, like leaves, not questioned. And then he, um, all the, after that he gets questioned, when I go on PACER or look up the or court documents, all of his court documents were sealed. And then the next, and, and, and in the court documents, they say that he has the beginnings of intellectual disability. So, and then after the day after that, he goes on Good Morning America. And I say, like all mentally ill convicted felons do, right? So from my perspective of seeing that, I'm like, this, this guy is snitch. And plus then finding out about Mr. Adam. So I did a FOIA and I got his records and I got his phone number and I saw that Oh my God, I was right. He was a snitch for a hot minute. Now it's also ambiguous when do you become a snitch? When do you ever stop being a snitch? Pretty much you're owned. 
just like you can talk about John Tursak, the dude who, who shanked Derek, who was also an F- FBI informant. Okay, so then I have his number. I call him. I don't expect for Maurice to pick up the phone. And we strike up a relationship initially. He thinks I'm a, I'm a journalist for the Washington Post. And then we end up doing, think about it, Chris. I get a two-hour two exclusive interview on the day. Uh, I think it was the second anniversary, the third anniversary. And nobody covers it. Nobody gives a shit. It doesn't even, the right, the left, it, it gets like nobody cares. And this guy is the one who spent his last days with this modern messiah. And by befriending Maurice and even sitting on Zoom calls where he got sentenced and seeing him get the shaft that no one gives a shit about his black life. Uh, CPS takes his son away. So well, black lives matter. What a bullshit. What absolute bullshit. And so I dedicate my the movie to Maurice. He hasn't seen the movie. I haven't talked to him um, in a while, but I was talking to him actively from jail. So what is, what is his thoughts about this whole thing? Was he telling you that this was all a setup, essentially? No. Or was he not, he wasn't aware of it? Yeah, it's very it's very interesting, right? It's because I I wanted to speak with him, I couldn't press him. I mean, initially I did press him, and he was saying, he, you know, is he lying that he really believes Derek killed him? Uh, he went as far in one instance to tell me that his bro wasn't even on drugs, and it's like, dude, you gave him the drugs. Um, what was weird, and what is still weird, is. I caught wisps of a conversation where Maurice is saying they gave me the change. So was the change given, you know, and I talk about this in my book, was the change given the money from Cup Foods? Was it, you see in my film, they both have wads of fake cash. It's established that Maurice was there earlier today, that day, trying to buy an iPad with fake money, but nobody calls the police on Maurice. Why? So, yeah, I'll say I'll say that um, he's a loose end. And the day after my exclusive two-hour interview, Maurice was arrested. Do you think he's in danger? Yeah, I, I was concerned. You know, if they'll just just uh, lock him up. Um, you know, during the, during my time speaking with him, he had a public defender, Adrian Cousins, and I called her and I'm clairaudient and I, I can pick up a lot from voices and spoke to her well, just asking a couple of questions. And I, I called Maurice and I said, Maurice, this woman doesn't give a shit about you. Just recall, like, remember that she's works for the state and he brushed it off. And then weeks later, he's like, Mimi. You were right. I'm going pro se. Well, um, if you go pro se, then you have also quite the journey ahead of you. From the handful of people that I know that have gone pro se, I have a friend, Mark Renon, who's in jail, um, falsely accused of peddling fake COVID cures for having his Genesis church and chlorine dioxide. Anyway, pro se is, is very difficult and, uh, We'll see. He was sentenced to five years. 
we'll see what happens. All right, All right. So cup foods. When I was watching the the documentary, uh, it just doesn't look like a place that has everything together. You got so many moving people. It just doesn't look like it's an actual operation or it's an operation what people think it is. It looks like it's a front for something. So can you get into Cup Foods and who this Mr. Adams is that kept getting mentioned by Maurice? Well, I would I want people to watch the movie, so I won't reveal Yeah, not too much. Just enough, you know, to I will say that Cup Foods, there's a whole chapter on Cup Foods. And uh Maurice says in the movie, you know basically not bringing to light who cup foods is they can continue to doing their shit. And just to say that those cameras that were put across the street were to keep an eye on cup foods, that that's in blood territory. And I, I, yeah, lots of things are happening at cup foods. Currently there's a new management, but if you look, if you read the chapter of what this store, their background and what seemingly is is going on, I would say the fact that nobody has brought attention to Cup Foods and Mr. Adam, you know, in in the trial, both the prosecution and the witness have Mr. Adam on the list, but he never testifies. Why? And they lie. Mr. Adam lies. The store lies about who made that 911 call. So there's a cover-up at Cup Foods, and you have to wonder why. So I'll say I'll say that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, another thing that caught me off guard too was when uh, the film brought in Darnella and how she appeared out of nowhere, and then she doesn't seem to take the 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 situation really serious. Her and her relative at all. She wound up winning a Pulitzer Prize, and I think with the Pulitzer Prize you get like fifteen thousand dollars on top of that. Um, on top of the seven hundred thousand dollars that she got on her GoFundMe, yeah, yeah. Can you can you get into that a little bit without giving up too much away about Darnella as a character? Let's say this footage that she caught that became viral. If you break it down, that's evidence, right? So, was it tampered with? Also, Darnella. Now her her Facebook page is private, but I could glean a lot because I was because I I was covering this in real time. So I say, like, if someone were to commission me, like Miriam, write a book, I would not find a third of the stuff that I I found because it's been deleted, covered up, and it's very important. So in regards to Darnella, when I looked at who is this chick that won a Pulitzer Prize that was applauded by Spike Lee and um, and actresses and, and uh, Hollywood actresses, Meryl Streep. Um, interestingly, two years before, she posted a cake um, that says revolution on it. And when I looked up the date, it was in March, I don't know, some day in March, I found that it was a United Nations holiday to eradicate racism and xenophobia so i still wonder you know do they how do they position these people how do they cast them how do they find them the day before it's now scrubbed it was on my gab tv tv she's doing a live 
the day before the event. And she's in an attic, um, some guy's house. And she says, uh, Corona was fun for a while, but I got to stack my money back up. Wow. Damn. Like, wow. God heard you, honey. You got $700,000 worth of money to stack. And when you look at the absurdity of her winning this uh, Pulitzer Prize. So, okay. Then I, I looked at, okay, well, there's different time zones. Um, so social media, you know, if you're catching timestamps and such, when did this footage go viral? So after the event, sh- she's uh, she's filming a live. Now, it, again, I would say like, honey, you were doing a lot of lives. Why didn't you go live right there? Why didn't you go live? Isn't that a good time to go live? Why didn't you? So she's doing a live afterwards. She says she's gone to a bonfire. So after witnessing this horrific murder she goes to a bonfire and like you say she supposedly was shielding her nine-year-old niece judea from this horrific but the girl the the cousin is like having snacks yes literally having snacks as this is going on and they're laughing yes Uh, so in my book at the, the last chapter i have a chapter on characteristics of a false flag and these these uh crisis actors but so so to go back to like okay so when did this drop when did this go viral she says that she's going to post it the next day by but the next by the next day it's already gone viral if you listen to dr robert epstein who talks about google who's who's um testified in congress about big tech you know nothing goes viral by accident you know sure things slip through the cracks I then, then I even looked to see, well, who broke this story? And I, I found a, a journalist, Libor Janey, and I reached out to him. I said, you break the story? And he said, not really. If you came to me as a journalist, did you, fuck yeah, I broke the story. So you don't want to bring attention to you broke the story. And then you see the purposeful sitting on the body worn, the body camera footage for more than two months. And they don't release it. And then it just, you know, gets released. Some Someone leaked it. And, okay. And then the, another thing is the footage for Dar- Darnella, there's a website where you can upload footage that for citizen journalism. You're going to tell me the 17-year-old knew about this website? Okay, possibly. But I find that hard to believe. So then they also monetized on it. So then you have to think like, oh, you monetize evidence? That's not fucking real. Excuse my language. It's not, no, that's not. <laughs> so when you break things down, it's, and I say in my book, it's like a magic trick. You know, you, you don't see the smoke and mirrors, but there's a magic trick at play, especially when they tell the audience, they tell everyone, believe your eyes. Like the man, Giovanni, uh, when I interviewed him a couple of days, I say, watch the video. It's on the video. It's on the video. But then we learn, you know, there's camera perspective bias and they're just showing you one angle. And right. that's very exemplary of, of what we're seeing in our lives today of just showing you one angle, but there's so much going on. And I think if people realize that there is nothing that just goes viral from a censored person that's been very close to the Wizard of Oz and seen behind the curtain, 
to just consider consider that. You know, it's like, for instance, just to jump on January 6th that I was at the deadly insurrection. No one's asked me about how I ended up giving my footage to Rudy Giuliani. Don't you think that's an interesting story? How did you end up in the Willard giving your footage that Rudy doesn't use for an investigation? Use it for his show. Oh, sure, Rudy, you can use my footage. You can use it two years in a row without giving me credit. And I think I'm participating in an investigation, but no, similar to 9-11, Rudy's there to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. He's a gatekeeper. All right. All right. So not to again, not to give too much away, because I mean, the, the, the documentary is like a little over an hour, but it, it packs such a powerful punch. There's a Thank couple you. of things that I want you to touch base on if you can. One is the supposed knee on Floyd's neck. Um, and the you talked about magic, right? With magicians, they wave their hand, you know, they have you focus on one hand while they're doing something with the other hand. Uh, Officer Tao also did magic. He waved his hand and magically people appeared. So can you get into those two things, please? Yeah. I mean, it's not sure, going to give too sure. much away. Okay. Well, well, I show, you know, that's kind of like the money shot. But when I was, so I get the footage. I was still in San Francisco and I start watching it over and over and over again. All the footage, all the angles repeatedly with sound, without sound, just looking. I'm just like scanning, scanning, trying to find something. So I see from the milestone camera, which is across the street, so it's a wide shot, and I, I see that the, the uh, I was going to say extras, the bystanders move in unison. So I asked Zach at the time, hey, Zach, what do you, what do you think of this? No, Mimi, it's, it's nothing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, Mofo, I'm going to go to his camera. I'm going to go to Tal's camera. Let's see what I see. Look, there's a hand gesture. What is that? When that hand gesture was shown to Liz Collin, who is the producer of, which they used in their movie, totally, totally out of context. They threw that in there. Who told them about that shot? I'm going to venture to say it's me. So they use it totally out of context. I know that they've seen my movie because I spoke to the person who showed them my movie. And Liz and, and Lieutenant Kroll just... You know, it's like I'm the conspiratorial journalist. Um, it's just kind of, you know, an afterthought of like, nah, that's that's nothing. So what is it? What is it? Oh, why don't you tell me? What is it? What is he doing? What do you think he's doing? What is he doing? I think he's signaling people to come. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's uh um in the and real it, world, this it's also funny too. I'm sorry, Mariam, that they were perfectly like a mixed crowd <laughs> as oh, well. Race, race wise, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you never see that. Like, how often do you see like perfectly certain amount of people of certain different ethnicities? Even the kid that comes out from Cup Foods, he's not black, he's Arabic. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> casting call. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Actually, to, the, to that point, in the exhibits that I purchased, there's an angle from the gas station and it's just like a line. It's like it, it didn't make the cut. It's a woman that says like, what the fuck's going on or something like that. But it wasn't convincing enough and it was just extra footage that that uh didn't make the cut to your point of like, who are these? People? Oh, look, we just happen to have a rookie firefighter. 
oh, look, we just happen to have supposedly someone who claims to be a chokehold expert. And there's a lot of rookies involved because in the multi-layer PSYOP, this is also very much a live exercise, a duty to intervene live exercise where they can then have their postmortem. So when, when the federal trial of the three officers, because by that time, who's really paying attention to this trial, um, that it seemed like, oh my God, they're putting the the police manual is on state is on the stand and they're going really granular. Why? What happened when people have George Floyd fatigue, they move on. They don't realize that like, Oh, 3000 different legislation has been impacted by duty to intervene. The policing laws have been changed. There's repercussions that are very real, just like nine 11, um, just like anthrax letters, just like all of these these psyops. And, and you also have to consider that, oh, people were really getting tired of the lockdowns. And so they had to change things up. And they went, for, as I say, from virus to violence overnight. And then I, I say that I believe they used this operation to also get more uh, jabs into the, into the arms of Black people, the number one vaccine hesitance um, population. Oh, look, the government cares about systemic racism. I guess this jab is safe because inherently the black community, when I've done my informal poll, um, they're like, fuck, no, I'm not going to take this jab. So I believe that. And, and also, why do I believe that? Because I found NIH studies that NIH studies looking to the messaging of Black Lives Matter. What does that have to do with health? So you're looking to the messages of Black Lives Matter to see what will stick so then you can then adopt those lines into your vac vaccine program. You know, also little, the PSYOPs have little FUs to the people who see. And so as a joke, I'm like, oh, watch, uh, he's going to have COVID. And he did have COVID, but he's the only uh, American in America that wasn't signed off as a COVID death. It's ironic. Weird. That's weird. <laughs> what? What's weird that he wasn't signed off as a COVID? Yeah, guy. that he wasn't because I figured they would have pushed that. Well, they couldn't because they needed to push murder. Right. Right. Uh, I guess. I guess. But it's a little yeah. fu. It's just an also a little fu that he dies of fentanyl, and that that's what's ravishing America. No one wants to talk about where the, where did this fake these fake pills come from? Where does this fake money come from? Who's making them? Oh, the Sinaloa cartel yeah. with, with ingredients from China. Let's talk about that. Why are we talking about that? Yeah. Um, people I, aren't talking about how, like, uh, from what I've heard, like the Chinese are going into Mexico and teaching these cartels how to make this stuff. Yeah. I haven't heard that, but I, I know that they use ingredients from, from China and that they have these labs and, and the thing also in writing the book, I interviewed DA investigator, cops, um, someone who just as a just so happened, you know, during I was researching, I'm like, okay, I don't think, I don't think the government really is trying to stop the the, the cartels. Do they work together? Which maybe is a naive notion because it's very obvious. But I, I came across a book that was in Spanish called Los Cartelas Non Existar, and Osvaldo. 
I, I forget his last name now, but he he's translating it literally into English. And I also interviewed him and I did a deep dive to understand, well, how do these cartels work and how do they work with, with gangs like the Bloods? Is there any relationship? And yeah, there, there, there is. So, so Mariam, I've, I've heard you on union of the wanted and a lot of the people on there, they talk about a lot of different things, stuff similar to you, but there's this consensus that something big is coming around the corner. Do you sense that? Do you have a sense that something else is coming? Yeah. I don't know when, mm, I don't know when, but yeah, I, I, I do think, I mean, whether it's involving disease X or the financial collapse of the economy. And, uh, you know, I think they also bank, there's a, there's a experiment with mice that you have them drowning and then you take them out and you put them on, on the land and they recover and then they can go for a lot many more hours. So there's a sense of fatigue, but it's an election year. And I also wonder in the grand scheme of things, this agenda 2030 or this melding of man with machine, because I covered transhumanism, that it is because there's a cataclysmic event that's coming out. If it's because we've had many resets and uh, yeah, so something is coming as far as false flag. You know, even like if you've watched um, Leave the World Behind. Right. I saw that. Yes. It just, I, I started doing um, research on prion disease and I, I was commissioned to do a protocol. It's a collection of protocols to help people detox from vaccine injur injuries. And I also wrote about understanding the mechanisms of this jab. And then I have to, I divided it between like possible GO and the mRNA, the lipids to, to really, because there's many different characteristics that are dangerous but the prions, which is these misfolded proteins that is always fatal and there's no cure, we suspected you know, that around year four, it takes a while. And so what we're, what we're seeing in these deer, this uh, chronic wasting disease is similar. It's prion disease. And so I started doing research. So in the midst of doing the research, um, Amazing Polly had said, like, are they going to use the deer? They could blame the deer and say that there's a cross species jump, whatever. And then it dawned on me yesterday. It's like, oh yeah, in Leave the World Behind, um, Julia Roberts' character and uh, the girl are confronted with all these right, all these deer, ominous deer. Yeah. So I don't know if that's seeding the narrative. I mean, what do you think, Chris? Well, I think you have that movie, Leave the World Behind. Then you have this new movie coming out called Civil War. Oh, yeah. right. Look, th this is the way I see it, Mariam. I'm, I'm ex-military, so this is what I understand. In military, you don't attack one way, you attack multiple ways. You don't have just one plan, you have m many plans. Because yep. always, something's always going to fall through, so you need something as a backup. Where we've been, and when I mean we, I mean the human race has been under attack for s centuries. And I feel like they're amping it up now, and with all this propaganda coming out, and also you have this thing where now all of a sudden these millionaires, entertainers are all talking about how they're building these underground bunkers. Why? Why Why would they? They never talked about that before. 
never talked about why they're building underground bunkers and why they're getting ready and being like preppers. What are they prepping for? What do they know that we don't know? You know what I'm saying? You know? And so I, I feel like something's going to happen. Um, fortunately, it's going to lead to a lot of deaths. And really, it's all about survival. Unfortunately. In truth, yeah, it's, you're right. In truth, Chris, there's been a silent blatant calling since this jab came out. There's a lot of deaths. Uh, I, I feel it as an intuitive. And, you know, I was told in 2013, like my higher self to get out of LA. I thought there was going to be an earthquake. And then I was, you know, concerned about medical martial law and, and uh, went to the jungle. It's just ironic that I'm in a smart city in South Beach. It's like this is not part of my plan. <laughs> right. uh, so I I have to, I, I don't think it's a, it's a sustainable place as a, a single woman to be in, in a smart city. Um, but also want to say that, yeah, they do just the Ronin regime, right? I think there was so many live exercises. You know, I, I was saying, now I see other people saying it. I, I hear, uh, who is it that says it? Oh yeah. I think it's George Webb that when Mike Pompeo says, we're not, we're not live exercise. And that day that he said that, which is, I don't know if it's March, sometime in March, that I was like, we are, we are in a live exercise. That's exactly what is going on. And there were a lot of different exercises. And then they, you know, there's so many different things. So it's like, oh, is it the batches? Is it the saline? No, there wasn't saline. It was like no mRNA. Is it the graphene oxide? No one's talking about the nano. Um, they're talking about the spike. So there's a lot of different things, different batches. You pivot. You get the data. The next time we'll get their attention. They're telling you, but they're, they have to collect the data. They have to see what the F they're doing to people. We are right. the lab rats and that is happening. And that takes a certain amount of years. Now, that sounds so conspiratorial because the players or the people that work in the hospitals, I go on a lot of vaccine injured talks. I, I'm still listening to a six hour talk that Zach did uh, with um, Ian Copeland, a six hour talk, which I could never, I'm not a scientist. Um, he holds his, holds his own, but it's when you listen to these pro-vaxxers, one, it's like, why are you, why are you working so hard to defend big pharma? Really? Like why? You this is your calling in life? Um money. <laughs> but but these I don't know the I don't know whether the people like an Ian Copeland is getting is getting money. The way the they attack, they, they engage in ad hominem attacks. Like I'm, I was listening, like if it was me, I would I wanted to punch this one guy that Zach was talking to. He's like, yeah, bro, you're a clown, you're a clown, you're a clown. It's like, you're just, you're just, can't you see it's so see-through? You're just trying to get him off his game. You're insulting him. It's different than like, we're sitting together and having a conversation. I want to hear what you have to say. You want to hear where it's not a competition. It's not you're wrong. I'm right. It's a different elevated type of conversation. So the, these vaccine pro-vaxxers, when I don't even know where they get their data from, that they're still peddling safe and effective. It's it's fascinating. It really, it's fascinating that there's still a denial or dismissal of all the injuries of this vaccine. Yeah, so plus the, all the information that's coming out. Not only that, like, how do people not know that the face of the whole Rona, uh, Fauci, 
back in the days was responsible for the whole AIDS epidemic shit that killed a whole bunch of people. Nobody understands that. I don't understand. That's cr- that's what boggles my mind. Is like, you know, I'm a fan. They're not going to see what really happened. That's like. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, please, please. When, when, uh, when this hit, and it it wasn't a thing yet, um, and Zach and I did a man on the street. It's like before the Oscars, and then we decided again, like nobody's masks. We went and we got hazmat suits, and we got masks, and we went to the comedy club, and they looked at us like we were nuts, and we're like, okay. Come back here in a month. We'll see who's nuts. So there was a, a gay comedian. And I didn't know enough then to, you know, Celia Farber, who's a colleague, has done incredible work regarding HIV and AIDS. I wasn't able to articulate, you know, that it was the, the drugs that were causing injury. Like he got really offended. But so my point is that, that, People can't make the distinction. It's the same. It's the same thing with the bees. You know, they whittle down the immune system, and then they'll blame it on the mites or they blame it on the viruses, and then they'll say shit like, "We gotta vaccinate bees." Like, what? Um, so, because they want you to forget that you have something called an immune system, um, and I mean this this operation, this. Um, mass psychosis mass formation psychosis i mean it's quite it's quite a thing to watch because many of us have lost um proverbially our, our family members or friends i mean i have my, my father doesn't talk to me and um is a christian though <laughs> yeah so yeah people have um and then people who are dying and they have no idea it's because of the vaccine my my stepdad is only alive, I realized, because he has a pacemaker. He's two times boosted, two times jabbed, and things like things like, oh, we're just gonna put, we're just gonna um, do a little cranium surgery just to let go of the pressure in his brain, and now he's going to uh, assisted living. And my mom is like in over her head. Luckily, she stopped at two, even though I tried to warn her. And this is happening if you are aware what's really going on in the world it's like it, it weighs heavy right um, then there's the other perspective of like i i had an ex-boyfriend who's never been vaccinated before he's european he has an am- amazing immune system but he wanted to go to ho- to canada for his hollywood gig so he went and he got a, a j and j and he's fine so then he'd say he'd say things like uh it's like a peanut it's not the peanut that's inherently bad or like Mimi, it's 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 over, and I, I said it's over. It's just begun. It's just begun. What the fuck are you talking about? But you know, you want to have your blinders and go and work in Hollywood. So go and work in Hollywood. You can consider yourself lucky. You have an amazing immune system. You've never gotten vaccinated before, and there were different um, different batches that were given to different people. It's the way they stagger their deaths. Right. It, it makes p- complete sense. And, you know, the, uh, on this vaccine, one pro vaccine, there, there was someone saying, oh, yeah, it was a six hour one yeah. saying, as a business model, it doesn't make sense that big pharma would want to kill their customers, right? Well, the 
No, because it's a depopulation agenda. Plus, in the most part, you're just whittling the immune system and putting them on the treadmill of sick care. I mean, you went to, to the, you're a veteran. How many vaccines did you get? Oh, my God. I got hit with so many vaccines when I was in the military. And I'm, I got to be honest, I drank the Kool-Aid and I got the vaccine when it first came out. But I never got anything after that. Neither has thank my family. I won't let them do it. Yeah, thank God. And thank God you're you're okay. So far. Yeah. My eyes haven't fallen out yet. So, <laughs> so um, far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our immune system is amazing. And there are different things in, like I believe, different batches. And I mean, doesn't it make sense if you're conducting... Look, in, in, in June 2020, they had a symposium. I, I've cited this article about the symposium where they they debated the pros and cons of bypassing animals in the face of an emergency. What does that mean? You're the animal now. Correct. You're the lab rat. Like literally like, oh, it's an emergency. We have to do warp speed. Let's just go and put like and test this. And then the pro-vaxxers that... Let's say that this was properly tested. When I, I have uh, pretended to be a guinea pig to take, what was it? It was a flu mRNA vaccine. It's a flu vac or it was a, a moth line, cell line, nano. Um, anyway, I, I applied and then I said, can you please send me the, the uh, adverse reactions? So in this paperwork, it straight up says that if you get pregnant, you have to stop the study and that you cannot give sperm for a month afterwards. Why? So if you, if you, if you find out that you're pregnant and you get, they don't want that data. They right. don't want that data. So okay. if you're pregnant, yeah. just, you know, no, I can't have you in the study. Um, and, and so even in talking about in this Provax space of talking about, well, that's not legitimate science. That's not legitimate science, buddy. Only establishment gets to do their studies. There's very little funding for independent studies. You can look at people who have tried to do independent, not necessarily for the COVID jab, and that they're ousted out of their establishment. They're, they're removed. So to say, oh, these are the established studies, you have to know the parameters even of the actual study. Because I know with the honeybees, the studies that they did were all bullshit. So, Marion, yeah, where can people find the documentary, The Real Timeline? They can go to My Movies Plus, and um, I believe I've given you the link. I'm not even right. able to um, sell the movie myself because I'm banned on Vimeo. So you can go to My Movies Plus, and I'm still, even though I... I raised a million dollars to make Vanishing of the Bees. I'm still two years later trying to recuperate $15,000 for the footage. Um, so yeah, people can go to my movies. Plus, like you said, it's only an hour and it's chock full of, you know, it's, it's an intense movie. It's great. Actually, it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. Thank um, you. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, it's just everything, the different, the footage that I didn't see on TV, just the fact that you were able to get that and that it exists and that people aren't able to see it. It just, again, is very mind boggling. I have a feeling that eventually in the future it will come out. You won't get credit for it, unfortunately, but it'll come out after probably the 
10th different COVID comes out or something, or some new thing happens is when it'll come out. Uh, and then people well, are like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Well, a lot, of, a lot came out in, in um, the fall of Minneapolis. I mean, what's accepted because it fits within the left, right. And, and just to give a shout out to Sean Hibbler, who, Hibbler, yep. who edited the movie. And I, I'll share with you, Chris, like in I had a vision of this movie, which, you know, there's I, I don't know which Hollywood movie, but they use the different body worn footage. And I really wanted to, like, be cinematic and capitalize on being able to show different angles at the same time but not in a dizzying manner so uh, i did the trailer and then i just had a series of like I, the woman the woman who helped me with the trailer basically went to like pick bud and i think realized like this was going to be intense and then i had like woke editors that knew about vanishing of the bees that like told me for ethical reasons they couldn't take the they couldn't do the movie i mean i, I even got they tried to vote me off the island as a racist. Like, meanwhile, it's probably a white person who's saying to vote me and I'm brown. Um, <laughs> so I prayed and I was like, how am I going to find an editor? How am I going to find an editor that's actually a good editor, actually cinematic, you know, in a Hollywood kind of way and knows this story because I can't school them and is open to what I'm going to show them. Because one of the editors that turned it down was basically saying that he couldn't take it for ethical reasons, like I'm being unethical. So I I rewatched the psychological operation, which Sean did in August 2020. And it's it looks like like a the broad view of BLM and Antifa and George Soros. And and then I was like, maybe this Hibbler Productions, maybe, maybe he'll help me. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, I I just didn't know how I was gonna pull this off and so i couldn't have pulled it off without sean so big shout out to sean yeah sean's awesome i like a lot of his material um the book when does that drop so i, I were aiming for a late spring beginning of summer it's called george floyd operation george floyd a multi-layer psyop exposed and people can get um they can pre-order the book on uh, marymhinane.com. I, I think I left the link there. They can pre-order it. Uh, I believe that we are going to increase the price. You know, what you said, this is, you know, I, I consider myself a visionary. I see things. And this is a film for, and a book for, for the future that perhaps, you know, whoever still thinks this is about racism, but for the history books, uh, the book will be, a cult classic and it, it's full of photos it's full of foiled information full of receipts basically yeah and who's uh because i'm i i would understand that probably you no one wanted to publish this and nobody wanted to publish it so who's publishing it who's brave enough to do it yeah logo sophia steve crimi and steve and chris who become like parents they're awesome and the real publishers, because it did get rejected, um, because it doesn't fit the right le left. Um, of course, again, I didn't know what I was going to find, but yeah, it got it got rejected, and it's not because I don't know how to write. Right. <laughs> That's I got you, reason. So, I think you're extremely brave, and if there's any way that I can help you, please let me know. You have my contact information, and I would <laughs> like to have you on in the future. Um, cool. If you want to plug anything else, do you have anything else you want to plug? 
Sure. I'm going to Mexico next week. I'm going to Anarcopulco, and uh, which is the Charlie um, Robbins and all that. Charlie Robbins. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm going to be giving a talk titled uh, "Health Censorship in a Techno-Fascist Age and How to Navigate Truth." So I'm very excited about that. And just to plug my Substack, I just recently put a story out on ventilators. Um, I have a show on Fridays called Truth Lives Here. And I'm always interesting and interviewing fascinating, interesting people. Just interviewed Charles Rixey, where he took a deep dive on the origins and Drastic, which was a group, an online group that was looking into the origin story and BS. So I, I'm very grateful. Hopefully, you know, I'm in Florida. If there's like an EMP, I wouldn't be able to even contact you for help. So, but smoke but, signals, smoke signals. <laughs> 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 so uh the show is it on substack is it part of your substack like your links or anything that show is it on the Spotify? Show, well in my substack i put all my limp links i'm on rumble and rockfin and um, um yeah but substack is a is a good place where i can speak to people directly and it's it's you know, I feature my shows when they come out. I put a little blurb, but I feel like I can communicate with people directly and that they can also, you know, the way you speak is not necessarily the way I write right. and everything is sourced and it, it's kind of, it's my voice captured via Substack. So. All right, Mariam, thank you so much for doing this. Thank I know you. you had a lot to do. I appreciate it. Thank um, you. I'll send you the link as soon as like I post everything up. And uh, if you could send me a picture, I could put for the thumbnail. Use the thumbnail. Sure. That would be awesome. But yeah, just contact me if you need anything, okay? Thank you, sweetheart. I, I appreciate right. it. God bless you. God Thank bless you, you too. Thank you so much. Thank All right. you. Bye. Bye.